right, guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. Uh, we are blessed to be joined by Antonio Cromarty. David, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, talk with me today. I'm super excited to talk to you. I see a potential cornerback one. Uh, I can move very well, does can play man-to-man very well. I think that he is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. He does things that are so amazing, and the competitor in him is just special. Um, I'm excited, man, and I I can't wait to get there. I think it does really fit my skill set. What's going on, guys? Welcome to this week's edition of Texans Unfiltered. Uh, my name is Patrick Storm, and I am joined by my friend and co-host Jair Lopez. Jair, we are in week one of football, man. How you feeling about it? Good, man. Football's finally back, and hopefully we can start off with, with the rock foot against the Jaguars. For sure. Absolutely. How uh, Did you catch any of the, uh, the game last night? I had to work, but I heard Brady was pretty much clutch in the two-minute drill. Yeah, they left him too much time. Again, typical yeah. typical Tom Brady, man. Su- surprise, typical surprise. Brady. Yeah. So, well, cool, man. Um, we had a good week. Um, I know James and John had a, a great great episode on, on Tuesday. Um, and uh, so now tonight we're going to kind of – touch on some things we're gonna kind of go over some of the the events of this past week obviously there was a a pretty sizable trade that went down um in my opinion at least um that you know i'm sure everybody's heard about and uh you know we'll touch on some of the other moves that nick has made so far in the offseason um there's been some really good ones there's been some really bad ones um he's not he's not perfect definitely and then uh and then we'll we'll you know, we'll dive into week one, uh, what we're kind of expecting. Um, and, I'm, you know, I may ask you about, uh, so just kind of get your brain rolling right now. I might get your season prediction towards the end of the show. So, um, so obviously everybody's heard about it this week. Uh, the Texans traded Bradley Roby to the Saints. Um, they got back a, a third round pick in 2022. Uh, they got back a conditional sixth in 2023. Uh, and they're paying $7.8 million of his salary. So from the outside looking in, your initial reaction, what did you think of the trade? I was a little bit surprised at first considering, I mean, Roby's contract overall was mostly non-guaranteed with after the suspension last year. But heading into week one, he wasn't he wasn't gonna play. So that wasn't really gonna affect our our the way we schemed the defense against the Jaguars. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, initially I was kind of shocked, right? Like when I, I first got the text message in the morning of the trade um, that somebody was on the move, um, you know, I've there had been some talk like, you know, they're going to make some, you know, Nick isn't sitting on this roster, right? He's not complacent with it. Um, and then, you know, started trying to dig into who it was. And then when I get the the text of like I heard it's Roby, and I was just like, holy crap! Like that's kind of like out of nowhere, right? Like out of just completely out of left field that Bradley Roby's getting traded. Um, and so one of those things, but it's like, and my response was everybody on this roster has a price. 
everybody, especially with where they're at right now, right? Like this is a team that, um, you know, Nick and the front office um, ownership, even they, they can sit back and they, they honestly think that this is, they know this is not going to be a very competitive team. And uh, so when you get somebody like the saints calling who have all of their draft picks and then some for the next couple of years, and it's a situation of, all right, what can the Texans do to better themselves, you know, for the long term, for the future? And if it includes trading, trading, you know, your best corner essentially for a third round pick, the, let alone the third round pick alone would have been good, in my opinion, right? Like I was expecting like a fourth or a fifth. Um, I had some conversations with, uh, with, with Troy from Texans Cap about it. Um, you know, and when things started turning, it was, uh, it was, you know, we were both kind of expecting about a fourth or a fifth. And then uh, things started to unfold. And obviously you start looking at the Saints salary cap situation. They have, they are like hurting right now. Yeah. I think they've got, after the trade now, they've only got like $3.2 million to work with this season. And that's why they released uh, Latavius Murray. Cause that yeah. was the only way they were, they were going to be able to like have a little bit of flexibility, flexibility, a little bit of wiggle room considering they still got to pay. And, project injuries that might happen to the team so they had to have enough cap space to make to make it work and i like the move for the saints overall because they had two third round picks um in the the upcoming draft with one of their executives being a a minority hire so they had two third round picks so in a way they kind of had the flexibility to make an aggressive an aggressive trade and also considering that the Texans are eating most of the con- contract for this year. So it was pretty much a win-win move. Yeah. And you look back and um, I know one of the initial points that someone brought up was like the Texans paid $17 million for Brock Osweiler to go play for the Browns and only got a second round pick out of that. Right. Um, now, granted, Sashi Brown knew at the time that the Texans were desperate to offload that contract. Um so $17 million for a second round pick was a high price to pay. But you look back at this one um, and they're, they're paying $7 million. Teddy Bridgewater got paid, is getting paid $7 million by the Panthers to play for the Broncos this year. And they got a sixth. So in my opinion, we're paying almost the exact same amount of money. And we got an additional pick. We got the sixth plus we got a third. And then next year, the cap savings is tremendous for this team. Like, I don't, I don't even know what the final number was. Um, let me see. I, if I think it was twenty three million for next year, according to over the cap. That's how much they save by by trading him. Oh no, no, no. I'm just saying like total, like oh, cap okay. space. So after yeah, the yeah. trade, after the trade, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say because let's see. I'm sure, it's already been updated. So they did, let's see what 2022, because I know there's still a little bit of dead money. $4.8 million next year. But I think they saved around like $10 million just by trading them for next year. Because they get, they do get a little bit of a cap credit, I believe. Um, I'll have to go back and read up some more on it. But in all in all, I think the move is a win. I think it's a really good move. I think it's a really good deal for... For both teams, I think both teams won on this deal. The Saints needed another cornerback, um, and you know <clears throat> the Texans needed to one offload a bit, a little bit of money, which they're not going to do this year. But dead money doesn't hurt them this year because let's face it, they're not going to be competitive. 
Um, and two, they, you know, they're thinking long term. Next year, they'll be able to draft somebody in that third round with that pick or couple that pick with something else and, and move up if they see a player they like. Um, I like it. I think, th- I think Nick won. I think Nick a, won that one. And that's the thing I like about this move also is that we got uh, Jimmy Moreland from the, from the Washington football team. I know he was a really good prospect for them, and he he got cut. Just it was just a numbers game for for them, and mm-hmm. he's and he still has, I believe, two years left in his rookie scale contract. So that's a pretty affordable deal for 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 a pretty young cornerback overall, which is kind of where we want to go in the near future. Absolutely, <clears throat> yeah. It, it, it's all about the long term right now. It's nothing about this year. Like this year is a wash. I'm not looking at this year I'm anything. I'm looking at the future, and I think that they did a really good job of uh, setting themselves up for the future. So now, <clears throat> let's. I want to touch on this real quick because this is, this was talked about today. Imagine the bidding. Ryan says, "Imagine the bidding war that could have been if Nick waited 24 hours." Right. So we saw what happened last night. The Bucks lost two corners, go down in that game, and then. The unfortunate news out of Baltimore is Marcus Peters tore his ACL. Um, the poor Ravens right now, man. They've lost three running backs. Um, they actually, they've lost a ton of players already this in the beginning of the season with significant injuries. So, um, but yeah, I mean, just think if that would have happened, the Saints, the Bucks, and the Ravens bidding on on Roby, you know, because let's face, it, Roby's still a good corner, right? I mean, even at twenty nine, about to be thirty. Um, especially for the money, he's a really mm-hmm. good corner. He's a really good value. It could have been a really intense bidding war out of but, those three teams. But then again, the way I see it with the other teams, I believe the Bucks and the Ravens are also pretty like restricted with the cap space mm-hmm. for this upcoming year. So we'd have still have would have had to uh, eat in most of the contract. It, maybe they would have given us a better a third and something else, maybe a fifth. But I feel like. The main prize would have been a third. And then it would have pretty much depended on it. It would have gotten a, a probably a better pick in 2023. Yeah, see, the Bucks have just over a million dollars in cap space. Mm-hmm. They have a million and one million nineteen thousand. And then the Ravens have like three point six or something like that. So <clears throat> yeah, I mean, either way, the Texans were gonna eat salary with trading Roby away. So no matter what. Um and be honest, even the, the Saints are still going to be a pick towards the end of the, the round um, in the third. So it's, I think either way, it's still going to be, it would be a late third round pick no matter what team it was. Mm-hmm. So maybe they would have been able to finesse a second. I don't know. Who knows? Um, All right. So some other moves Nick's made. Nick has made a ton of moves, right? I think you would have it up to what, 10 teams now? Nine teams right now. Nine teams. Yeah. Okay. So he's done over, uh, over 25% of the league. That's like unheard of. Um, like you don't, you don't see something like that, right? You see a team make one or two moves every year. That's really about it. Nick is, he's dealing, he's, he's building and, uh, he's doing it brick by brick by brick, just like they, they were preaching in the the press conferences earlier in the year. Right. Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts? Okay. So they acquire Shaq Lawson earlier in the year by trading Benardrick McKinney. They have Shaq Lawson in a sixth and they trade Benardrick in a seventh. Um, now Shaq lost out in a numbers game, um, really didn't do a good job in the preseason, looked really, uh, just like a generic defensive lineman. There was no, no flashes, no nothing. 
Um, not another Shaq, Shaq Lawson that we've seen in the past. Um, and then, so now they, they turn around and they trade him to the Jets um, after paying him $7 million. So <clears throat> what are your thoughts on that trade as a whole? I feel for the most part, it was a net neutral. At first, it was a good trade considering we were probably going to cut McKinney. We were able to uh, move McKinney for a, for an edge rusher, which we really needed in the offseason. And his contract was pretty much non-guaranteed. But the moment – so it was kind of a, a low-risk proposition. But the moment we restructured his deal to open up a little bit more cap, cap space to sign more players, that's where we kind of – it didn't kind of – I guess it, it, it made a turn for the left a little bit because now we have a little bit more dead money in 2022 and this year. But overall, you know, moving financial stuff aside, I like the fact that we were able to still flip Shaq Lawson for another draft pick, which, as we know of Nick, he's able, he's able to use that pick to either select a player, maybe, you know, find the next... DJ Reader, the next word Lopez in the next draft, or just use that pick to to move up, or for a for or take a flyer on a player like Larry Izzo or a player who might not make who who might not make another team's roster, but you still have a chance to bring him bring him in and wait and and not risk him getting claimed. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think uh, <clears throat> I think it's kind of a, a wash, right? Like. They don't – I don't think he won it. I don't think he lost the deal. Um, you know, he's – he paid out the money for, for Lawson. Um, he's gotten two six-round picks out of it. And <clears throat> it was a case of, do I keep this guy on the roster and, and pay him all this money for him to not play and not be productive? Or do I pay him all this money, let him go play for another team, get a, a six-round pick, um, and you know, I'm paying another guy that's going to be on the field. That's going to be, we're, we're, we're paying this guy too, but in our opinion and in, in our analysis, we think this guy is going to be more productive. So I think that's the way they went about it. They just look, they, money does not matter to them. Um, and that's kind of a refreshing thing because in years past, we've seen guys that, have, you know, they've had these contracts that have to, obviously they feel like they just have to be out on the field. Um, and that sucked because I feel like that hampered this team a lot uh, year in and year out. So it's kind of refreshing to see that, all right, look, we screwed up, but you know, we're admitting our mistake fairly quickly here. We're moving on and we're going to try to, uh, we're going to try to get past it. So um, another one that's kind of interesting is, uh, is John Reed uh, was traded to Seattle for a conditional seventh. <clears throat> and so as far as I know, um, I haven't seen the actual details on it, but I think they can still get this pick. Um, if he's on the roster, which he is now, he's on the 53-man roster for, I think, I believe it's six weeks. Yeah. So I think if now, if, if John Reed is on the roster in Seattle for six weeks, he's going to get the pick. So that'll be one more in their arsenal, right? Um, off the bat, that's just, that's huge. Like, I don't care either way. Like, he wasn't going to make the team. So get being able to find a trade partner for him for one is awesome. Um, and two potentially getting a, a, you know, a pretty much a, a free pick out of it uh, is, you know, that's a good thing. 
I think Nick did a really good job on that deal. Um, regardless of what happens, if he gets cut week five, uh, reverts back to their practice squad or something like that, they don't get the seventh. Is it really a loss? Like, did this team really lose that at anything? Not really, because we had already kind of, you know, processed everything, and we thought he was going to get cut, and he was going to maybe be claimed on waivers. So just, you know, at least getting something out of nothing, uh, at least getting the chance of potentially getting another draft pick, which we could draft a player, like, or we could probably, you know, use that pick if it conveys to trade for another player, you know, take a take a take a chance on a, another player that another team might not want. Yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, I think it worked out. You know, it worked out well. Um, and he's made some other moves. Let me see. I've got your list here. You you've got the list. Uh, let's see. You sent it to me a while back. All right. So he has traded. All right. We touched on John Reed. We touched on McKinney. We touched on Lawson. Uh, we had talked about Randall Cobb in the past. I'm not going to really beat that down. Um, so now he's acquired quite a few people, right? Uh, Ryan Finley, Ryan Izzo, uh, Kader Hallman, who they've cut and is now back with the practice squad. Or I think he signed with the. No, he signed with somebody else, right? Yeah, he signed with someone else. Okay, so Hallman's gone. That's that sucks. But what did they trade a seventh for that one? Yeah, uh, they traded the okay. Chicago Bears seventh round pick for him. Okay, so not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the they Saints. got Anthony. It was the Saints. Yeah, thanks. They've got two of our corners now. Okay, um, <clears throat> he got Anthony Miller, acquired Anthony Miller, and gave up a fifth for him in twenty twenty two. Not a big deal. I like mm-hmm. it. I think Anthony Miller is what they're hoping they can get. Um, some decent production out of him in the slot um, and uh, kick return. So I think that's, you know, it's not a bad thing. Um, You know, it's just been a bunch of, like Nick said in the beginning of the season, a bunch of singles and doubles, right? Um, He's had some swings and misses. Um, He's not perfect. I think some of the deals could have gone a little bit better. Um, Let's see. The, obviously the Ryan Finley pick, or the Ryan Finley trade, that kind of sucks. Um, you know, it's you brought him, you traded, they traded equal picks, right? Like it was just a, like a sixth round swap or something like that. They pretty much just swapped places because they traded the sixth round pick for the Patriots seventh round pick. So they just, they moved down a few spots to get a player. Okay. Yeah. So that's not a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that is, it is what it is. They traded a seventh. For, for Ryan Izzo. So it's not like he's trading away high-end capital, right? He's not, you know, he's not trading a first or a second away for for someone that, you know, it's pointless right now. There's no point in trading away high capital. And just so, looking at this, looking at the trades that he's done, uh, he's received a pick back in every single trade, except for Kadar Holman. All the other trades, he's giving a pick and the other team's giving back a pick. So at the end of the day, we have more picks than what we started off with because because we because every single um, trade that we've acquired a player, like we swapped mm-hmm. picks, and then every single player that we've traded away, we've acquired picks. So in a way, we keep on stockpiling picks for the twenty twenty two season and twenty twenty three. So yeah, he's done. Yeah, he's done a really good job. Let me go over here and see. 
here it is. Okay, so we have we have our own first, our own second, and our own third. We now have New Orleans third, our own fourth. We don't have a fifth, right? Because they traded that for the for Anthony Miller. Yeah, that one goes to um, the Bears. Yeah. So, and then we have three sixths. So we have our own sixth, the Green Bay six, a San Francisco sixth. Thank you. We get the six four. Let me check real quick. What did we get San Francisco six for? Was that last year's draft? Maybe. Oh, uh, that was that was the pick that they got from the Jets. Uh, the Jets sent us um, San Francisco. Oh, they sent us San Francisco's yeah. pick. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And then they got the they have Dallas's seventh, um, which they got from the, the Eli Anku. Yeah, Eli Anku trade last year that Jack used to be signing a guy off the street and then turn around and traded him like a week later. So. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, eight, nine picks next year. That's not bad, right? Mm-hmm. It's not bad. And then they're projected to have nine picks in 2023. Um, they have all their own picks in 2023 and then some. And then obviously the years after that, they have everything still. So he's loading up for the future. I think he's, uh, I think so far so good. Um, some of the stuff could have been a little bit better, but you know, I'm going to take the good with the bad at this point, um, given where the team's at. Yeah, and it's pretty crazy that we could have had more draft picks because we traded the fourth round pick from the Rams to to move up, move up and get Nico Collins in this past draft, yeah. and we also moved that fifth for for Miller. So we could have had double digit draft picks, and that's the thing I like from Nick Casario. He's pretty much shown that draft picks come and go but he's been able to acquire more than what he gives away so that's why i'm not really stressing out whenever he makes a trade because i know he's gonna get back he's gonna get back some of a draft pick in return like he's doing a really good job right now just managing the draft picks like because that's been the biggest problem since you know bill o'brien took over he was just giving away draft picks and we never got anything back in return and if those players didn't pan out we we missed out on draft picks and we missed out on the player at least for Casario, you know, we missed out on a player. We, we gave up a low draft pick, but we also got a draft pick in return. So that's the biggest thing. Like, we're not really ever digging ourselves into a hole. Like, we're still, in a way, you know, taking a sidestep or taking a step forward, but we're not going back. And by adding all those draft picks, we're opening up the possibility of us getting more, drafting more young players in the long haul, which is really what we want to do. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like the the guys that are <clears throat> the guys that are working like in the front office right now have done like a you know in my opinion they've done a really good job. I mean, you know Nick's up there, um, Matt Bazergan's there, Lipfurt, um, yes, Jack Easterby um, is involved in in some of this stuff. Um, I mean, it is what it is at this point, right? Like, and it's, you know, as a collective effort, they're they're doing a good job. Um, and so I think for the next two, three years, they're in some really good hands. And uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, I said this a few weeks ago. I know I had said something along the lines of like, the you know, hiring 
or how everything went about, about was going to be the worst mistake this team has ever made, and they may not recover from it. Um, obviously, it was very emotional, and I think, uh, you know, my opinion has definitely changed. I think they're going to be okay. They're going to recover. Um, we're going to suck for a few years, and it is what it is, man. I mean, we've been sucking for the past 20 years. So, you know, what's, you know, what's one or two more years, right? Um, yeah. And the thing I like about Casero overall, he just – he strikes me, I mean, it's obviously very early in the process. You know, he could very much screw things up in the in the next few years. But for right now, he's just shown to be very open-minded in so many ways. He's been aggressive in the trade market, which I feel like that's always been a plus. But he's, I'm going to kind of repeat myself, but he, he hasn't really compromised the, the, our draft picks of the future in a way. And he also, he's just doing everything right. He's because, like I said in the past, some GMs like Rick Smith or Brian, Brian Gain, they just weren't ever too aggressive making trades. He's shown willingness to do that. He's he's also always bringing in players to work out. And some of them are, you know, recognizable players that obviously this year might, it doesn't really matter. But like Dre Kirk, Kirkpatrick, um, overall, he's a he's a player that we that most people know around the league. Like he's bringing in notice, noticeable names, who in in the in the right fit at least for this year. You know, maybe we sign them, and then in the middle of the season, COVID happens or there's injuries, we might be able to flip them for a pick, and he might put himself in a, in a better situation. Yeah, absolutely. And they pro- like, um, I think Aaron Wilson made this point earlier that. He's the the type of player at this point that won't sign until maybe after week one, just because of the whole vested veteran thing and the money being guaranteed and stuff like that. Um, probably sign on a vet minimum deal um, or just over a vet minimum deal if that's going to happen. Um, you know, and potentially, yeah, like you said, flip him for a, a pick, let him walk, and maybe get a compensatory, compensatory pick. Uh, who knows? Um, you know, that's one of those things that the roster is going to be changing one for sure the practice squad is going to change weekly okay that's exactly how they did it in new england um their guys were coming and going up there weekly for the patriots so it's exactly how it's going to i have a feeling it's exactly how it's going to happen here um so um you know we got a lot a long time we got 17 weeks of football 18 weeks of football ahead of me us excuse me um and uh, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see how it un- unfolds. I'm excited to see what the future holds. Um, you know, it's, you know, we have some uh, some other stuff that's obviously, you know, got to unfold and, and take place during the season. Um, and I think a lot of people are, you know, they're ready for it to happen. I think uh, this person in particular is ready for it to happen. Um, you know, Deshaun really wants out of here. Um, and you know, eventually it's going to happen. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to wear this Jersey again. Um, you haven't seen him out of practice. You haven't, he won't see him at the games. He's not going to be there. Um, and eventually the right offer is going to come along. Um, eventually something is going to happen and, you know, he's going to wear another uniform. I think, uh, you know, it sucks. Um, everything aside, I hate the fact that we're losing a player of that caliber, um, and as far as everything else, that's, you know, I, I don't want to talk about any of that just cause it's, 
you know, I, I don't know enough about it. I don't want to sound ignorant on it. I just, I don't know enough about it to talk about it, but losing a football player of that caliber, the football player of Deshaun Watson is going to suck, but I think it's going to help this team, you know, build for the future. Really? So, um, Rafael, thank you, man. Uh, Texans fan from Brazil. That's awesome. Uh, welcome. Thanks for tuning in tonight with us, man. That's, that's really cool. Um, one more trade. Nervous about a Lonnie trade. Guys, I don't think Lonnie's getting traded. Um, Lonnie's hurt right now. Um, I know y'all saw something. Would you trade Lonnie to Tampa? Heck yeah. Would you trade Lonnie to Tampa Bay for a second round pick? I would drive him to the airport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you can get a second round pick for Lonnie Johnson, oh, man, do it. Like, what are you waiting for, Juan? That would be incredible. Um. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. I just feel bad for him overall because he's just he's 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 been catching too many, you know, I guess bad luck because he had to endure the early O'Brien coaching staff that they had him at corner. Then they move him to safety. And then this year he's finally playing safety his first offseason. And you know, he gets hurt with a quad injury. And those are normally pretty tricky. The quad injuries, you don't know. It could be a week. Or it could be several weeks, and hopefully it's short term because he's one of the few young players we have on this roster that's really worth developing. Yeah, I mean, you know, Lonnie's shown some promise. Um, I feel like you know, I'm I'm a firm believer in these guys not doing a lot of talking on social media. Um, and doing their talking on the football field. And I feel like Lonnie is one of the guys that does a lot of talking on social media um, and could do a lot more talking on the field. But then again, that's his style, right? Like that's just, that's just who he is. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older than some of these guys. Um, you know, it is what it is. So that's just, again, that's just my opinion. Um, uh, let's see. Joseph, why does Watson hate us? So guys, Watson does not hate y'all. Watson does not hate the fan base, okay? Watson just does not like how things went down with the GM search, right? Um, Or the head coach search. He was prepared to provide a list with... I'll break it down, all right? We're going to touch on this for two minutes, and then we're going to move on because I don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, Watson, does. he was upset about how everything went down, right? Cal said... Hey, well, you know, we'll listen to your ideas on a GM. We'll listen to your ideas on a head coach. Do I think Cal should have ever offered that? No, I do not think that Cal should have ever offered that regardless of the caliber of player is. I don't think that it's in a player's interest to have input on the front office, maybe on the head coach. Okay. Maybe. Right. Cause that's who he's going to be working with the most. Okay. Um, but then, you know, stuff happened and I get it. He went on vacation and he wasn't here when they were doing it, but it's not very hard to pick up the phone and say, Hey, like, you know, this is, you know, this is where we're going, right? Like this is the direction we're going. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts. Um, I think that would have gone a long way. Um, and I think, uh, things could have unfolded a lot differently. Um, yeah, there were some 
backdoor and some uh, back channel shenanigans by Jack on on how it all happened. Uh, but let's face it, they wanted Nick a few years ago prior to this, right? So I feel like Nick was the guy like all along. Um, and this other stuff was just like a like a show. They maybe have had some thoughts on hiring somebody else, like an Omar Khan um, or one of the guys out of Seattle. Um, and then Jack got nervous. So it is what it is. I think it just, it, it kind of sucks um, how everything unfolded, but, you know, uh, it is what it is at this point, right? Like Nick, Deshaun does not hate you guys. He does not hate um, his teammates. He does not hate David Cully. He does not hate Nick Casario. Um, he does not hate Jack Easterby, regardless of what you guys think. Deshaun does not hate Jack Easterby. He just does not like how everything went down. He doesn't even hate Cal. He just doesn't trust him. So that's it. That's that's the biggest thing is trust. So, um, Beige, welcome in. Thank you for tuning in again. Thank you so much for all the support all the time, Beige. Uh, back car. Would you trade Tunsil for two firsts? Yes. Yes. I probably would. Could, yeah. In a heartbeat. Two firsts again? Yeah. I mean, but then you kind of have to consider you're going to have to look for another left tackle. That's okay. You think so? I think so. You would have, over the next two years, you'd have at least four first-round picks. Yeah, I guess I would. I mean. Plus, you're going to free up a ton of money, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what what does that do? Let's see. $17 million just next year in available cap space. By trading him. Like, holy crap. That's huge. The year after that, $18 million. That's a lot of money, man. That's $35 million over the next two years you can invest in a left tackle. You don't need to go out and pay somebody to be the highest paid left tackle to be on your team. You can go out there and get a guy and pay him $15, $16 million, and he could be you know, a very competent left tackle. You don't always have to have the best at that position. I get it, but it's nice to have that, right? Mm-hmm. It's nice to definitely have the best, you know, one of the best left tackles in the game. Uh, answer a few more questions, then we'll dive into week one. Who is David? What does this say? Who is David Coley going to be outside of a great guy to have with lunch? Um, I think he's a great, like, just listening to those press conferences. Um, that's a guy that's excited to show up to work every day. It's a guy that like has the enthusiasm and you know the drive and the motivation just to be good at his job. Um, I think you know he's a guy that's excited to finally be given the opportunity to to take the reins and 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 do stuff like that. Um, and I've been talking for like the past ten minutes, Jay. I need you to. I know you're not feeling good. Um, but if you if you want to jump in, please feel free to jump in. Um, I feel like you know he's just it's I don't know I he's think, like the complete one eighty of Bill O'Brien. He reminds me a little bit of Gary Kubiak, a little bit. Like, yeah, players like they like Gary Kubiak. You know, I don't know if you ever listened to the Now What podcast by Arian Foster. He was always yeah. speaking highly of Gary Kubiak, and that's kind of what you, that's kind of what you need right now in in a head coach. I mean, someone who's stern when they need to be, but 
pretty easy going and just, you know, make football fun again. Because sometimes, I mean, everyone knows it's, it's a job at the, end, at the end of the day. It's a business. But you want to make your job as fun as, 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 I, as it can be. And that's what David Coley can do. I mean, obviously, that's not the only reason why he was brought in here. You know, he had other, other qualifications. You know, he's, he's worked with young quarterbacks, you know, in Buffalo. He's, he's seen good quarterback play. He's, he was also with Lamar Jackson. You know, it, it depends how much you, you, you really want to give him credit for what, for what happened in, in Baltimore. But he, he's been around a lot of good coaches. So you have to think that some of, some of, some of it has rubbed off on him, some of the good, you know, concepts or whatever because you know mm-hmm. he's been around Harbaugh he's been around Andy Reid you know a lot of good coaches and and that Super also Bowl shows, winning coaches exactly and he's also been around and it kind of reflects on his coaching staff he's gone I mean he's so well connected with the real big coaches in the league he got a really great quarterback coach in Pep Hamilton you know those connections matter in a way he also got James Campen, who's a really good off, offensive line coach. And then Lovey Smith, you know, he kind of is what it is, but he's a proven defensive coordinator in, in the league. So, and there's there's been some good hires, and part of it has to be because people like him. If if people like who you are as a person, they're going to want to be able to work work with you. And as long as you're a good coach you're going to you're going to attract other good coaches who who want to prove themselves and want to make a name for themselves in this league. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think oh, there's so much weight put into who the head coach is and not who the head coach is able to surround himself with, right? Um real quick, I got I got I got to brag on the kid real quick while he's here. You guys have seen we broke our, our wrist a few weeks ago, right? We haven't stopped practicing. We've been practicing baseball every single day almost. Today, he took a baseball to the face. It knocked out his tooth. He was bleeding, crying like a normal kid. He's got the lace imprints. 30 minutes later, we were playing catch again. I'm going to brag on this kid a little bit. I wish we had sound effects like for like something like that, but that's, yeah, good for him. Yeah, he's a... Uh... He's a tough one, man. His lips all swollen up. He looks a little weird right now, but <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it's just like who he can surround himself with is like a huge thing. And like, I don't think there's enough, you know, I don't think that's being talked about enough. Right. Like, I think he can do, <clears throat> I'm not going to say he's going to do great things, but he can do some really good things. And I, I'm excited for it. I'm really excited to see what David Culley can do. And I love the Kubiak comparison. I think that's a really good one. And the worst case scenario, he's already 65 years old. I mean, realistically speaking, how, how much longer can he can he really coach? And like I mean, who knows, man? Because he has a five-year deal. And and just thinking about it, if he if he sees the the whole five years, he's gonna be 70. So after that. You know, I wouldn't see a long-term extension if he gets to those five years as the NFL, as the Texans head coach. So maybe a one-year, two-year extension. But this was, from the beginning, I think, from a looking, you know, down the road, this always seemed like like a short-term 
move as we, until we, you know, got got back on our feet and we kind of like, in a way, kind of re, re, uh, re, rehabilitated our image around the league a little bit. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and I think it's going to help bring in, um, you know, some top guys for the, you know, oh, you know, it's going to bring in some talent for the next few years. I think guys are going to look at this place as like a, you know, a destination they're going to want to come to. Um, all right. So enough of that. Um, guys, thanks for all the questions and stuff like that. That was, you know, I know we got a little bit off tangent and a little bit off pace. Um, week one is here. 40, 48 hours, 72 hours, not even uh, a little less than 48 hours from kickoff, right? Um, playing at home. They got the Jaguars, Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, week one. Um, number one overall pick in the draft. Late on me, man. What's what are you looking for in this game? Like, what is your expectation out of the defense first? For the defense, I mean, just get to the quarterback. I mean, I I know you don't have many top tier pass rushers or like the big premier names, but. And obviously, the preseason, you kind of hope it translates to the to the regular season. But we we have enough players that can play complementary football, and you know, just not being selfish, not trying to you know play hero ball and like just stay disciplined. And we have players like um, forgot Jordan Jenkins. We have Jacob Martin. We have Charles Amena, who we have. Malik Collins, we have players who can not win one-on-one reps on a regular basis, but they can do enough pressure as a collective unit. And it and it helps that they're playing a, a rookie quarterback. And obviously he's the first overall pick of the draft. But I was I was listening to the Deep Slant podcast from the Texans. And just an interesting stat that they said the last number one pick quarterback to win the season opener was David Carr. So, if history has, has shown really? us any, yeah. So if history has shown us anything, is that rookie quarterbacks, especially number one draft picks, are going to struggle in the at least in the first few games. So, I feel we got the uh, we're off in the right foot playing a quarterback who's inexperienced in this league. And granted, he's the number one pick, but it helps that you know we're the first team. He hasn't really seen too much NFL defenses, so we might be able to take advantage of that and possibly possibly get a win. That's a, that's a really interesting stat. I didn't realize that because see, so who was the top quarterback last year? I'm just drawing a complete blank. Um, but yeah, that's just really, that's crazy, man. I didn't think, I, you know, I haven't, li- you're talking about the, that's a podcast with like DP and them, right? Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't listened to that one. I need to, I need to get a listen to them. Um, so yeah, I think if they can just get to it was it was Joe Burrow. Thank you, Beige. Um, I think yeah, if they could just they don't even have to get to him. Just put pressure on him, man. Like just just get in his face, um, hit him after some throws. Uh, welcome him to the NFL. You know, like there's I saw all this stuff that he's the most quarterback ready prospect since Andrew Luck and stuff like that. And it's like man, that's that's a huge weight to carry for that kid. Um, because Andrew Luck was just like a, his trajectory was like he was just going to be so good, right? Um, 
I don't see that with Trevor Lawrence, man. Like, I feel like he had so much help at Clemson that it just made his life so much easier. Um, but yeah, just get in his face and pressure him. Um, kind of beat up on that offensive line a little bit. And the, the corners that are going to be out there with King and those guys, they just got to stay in the wide receivers' faces. Um, although I, I kind of have some fantasy stuff right now. So I got LaVisca Chenault. Kind of need him to put up some points this week, but. You know, um, I think the defense is going to be the the game changer this weekend. I really do. I don't think the offense is going to be, I don't think the offense is it. Um, I'm really nervous about the offense, honestly. But, um, so what do you think? How do you think, uh, so we saw Tyrod a little bit in the preseason. Mm-hmm. What do you think Tyrod does against this, this Jags defense tomorrow or on Sunday? Real quick, I was going to add, because for a defense, the only player that's not going to play from the starters, I I think, is um, Kevin Pierre-Lewis. I think he's he's doubtful right now. And the other other players that are out are Lonnie Johnson, obviously Deshaun, and then um, John Grenard. He might not play with an illness, but it's still to be determined. Can you repeat the, the question? My bad. So we, you're good. We saw Tyrod a little bit in the preseason. Um, definitely didn't blow us away. Uh, there wasn't anything that we saw in the games that was just like, all right, man, this guy's got it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was typical Tyrod. Uh, so what does Tyrod need to do to, on Sunday to help this team? Like what's his the most important thing for Tyrod to do? to help propel this team to a W. I feel like we, I'm not trying to set really high expectations. I think we know what he is. Uh, I was kind of, I kind of brought it up on Twitter, but I think the best thing he can do, not just for the Jaguars game, but for this season, is kind of be like Gardner Minshew in his rookie season. You know, low, low turnovers, decent touchdown com- conversion, you know, numbers. And just don't turn the ball over. You know, drive the football down the field. Obviously, you, you want them to be effective in the red zone. We have weapons. We have Jordan Akins. We have Farrell Brown. We have Nico Collins. We have Chris Conley. We have big bodies that we could utilize in the red zone. And we also have a decent running game. So I'm still I'm kind of interested to see what Mark Ingram can bring because he was he's pretty much an approved deal. You know, he's not going to be a long-term fixture here for the Texans. But he was also part of the Deep Slant podcast. Uh, he was interviewed, and he said that pretty much he, he was he, he pretty much wasn't used last year. So he pretty much had fresh legs. So if that's the case, and we're trying to actually win a few games this season, I feel, you know, Tyrod Taylor, he's not going to have to turn the ball over. He's going to have to, you know, just be who he is. If there's... If, every, if everything's covered um, downfield or anything, you know, get the ball and run, get safe yardage. And I feel this game's going to be a, a very low-score game. I don't think it's going to be a shootout, especially with this Jaguars team that, you know, that's run by Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. I'm still not sold on him as a head coach, especially after all the stuff mm-hmm. he says in, the, in interviews and stuff like that. Like, I don't think he's – he's. I think the college – game suits him better but 
I feel overall for this game, you know, Tyrod Taylor's gonna have to drive, obviously, you know, ex- extend drives, but at least put us in field goal range because I feel like this game's gonna be very, um, a low scoring game, and just let Joey Sly, you know, the new kicker, make uh, make those kicks. And it's probably not what the fans want to hear, you know. They probably want to, you know. We probably wish Tyrod went for four touchdowns and zero interceptions, but I don't see that happening. Like, hopefully, maybe you know the the run game comes through because, like I said, I, I think in the right situation we have a decent, we have a diverse group of of running backs, group of running backs that can do diff- different things. Yeah, I think um, I agree. I think the biggest thing for Tyrod is just not turn the ball over. Um, and just and just manage the game to be a game manager, right? Um, and it's funny you bring up the the running backs, right? Like they've got to go out there and establish the run. All right, so I'm going to read something off that the the team put out yesterday, and I thought this was hilarious. Okay, I'm trying to find it right now. Let's see. Was it about the total? Like they led the league in rushing. Oh God, yes. Um. Like I, I was, I was dying. Like, yeah. God, where is this thing? Or was it the PR? Yeah, it was Texas PR. Okay, Texas PR. This it had me like. <laughs> <laughs> I was all right. So their tweet. All right, Texans running backs have combined for fifteen thousand one hundred and three career rushing yards and one hundred and thirty two career rushing touchdowns. <laughs> Now, this is by active running backs, right? The next closest team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with (laughs) 8,550. Like, when you twist, you could twist stats, right, to fit any sort of narrative, right? Like, this is like the ultimate, like, we're carrying five running backs and look what it's going to give us. Yeah. Right? And I just, I was just like, oh, my God, man. Like, Rex Burkhead. How old is he? He's like 31? Yeah. Right? Okay. Mark Ingram, he's over 30. David Johnson. David Johnson is right there with yeah. him. Okay. Yeah. Scotty Phillips is the youngest guy. Mm-hmm. And who am I missing? Philip Lindsay. Yeah. Who had, right? Philip Lindsay, to, to his credit, has had, he had a phenomenal start in Denver. And then things just, you know, kind of didn't work out. There were some injuries in there and stuff like that. I get it. But it's like, I'm like, y'all can't put this stat out, man. If y'all are going to be carrying five running backs that have been playing in the league for 10 freaking years when there's three yeah. guys that have been in the league for 10 years. Like, I would hope that they have that many yards. Yeah. So I thought that was funny. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just, I mean. It's kind of embarrassing, but, you know, it's it's nice. I, I wouldn't be too proud of having three running backs over 30, you know. Like, you, you would yeah. kind of hope because the running back position, it's, it's a young man's game. And that's, that's where it's always been trending lately. So, but it's I, true. It, it yeah. really is, man. Um, it really is. It's, you know, there's all that talk about like a, the running back position is devalued and stuff like that over the past few years. And it's because of like, yeah, there's the anomaly of, of Derrick Henry who is getting a little bit older, um, but is still just churning out yards like crazy. But then again, you look at guys that like Christian McCaffrey, has a great season, and the next season he gets hurt and he misses the entire year. Okay. Yeah. Um, Devontae Freeman had a really good start, 
fell off a cliff. Um, it just it happens with all these guys. Le'Veon Bell, he was on a practice squad earlier this week until two guys tore their ACL. So it's, I just, I don't know. I, I, it's very yeah. hard for it's very hard for running back to age gracefully in this league because yeah. most aren't complete backs. They're either really good, you know, first down and second down backs. Mm-hmm. But they don't bring that pass catching in the in third downs and stuff like that. So it's really hard for them to age. And like to be honest, the only running back that I mean, at least last year that was still somewhat relevant was Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore. But those are pretty much anomalies. Yeah, Frank Gore is an anomaly and he's a free agent right now, which is nuts to me. I think the guy should be on a roster somewhere. Adrian Peterson, like the dude's up like a robot. He is a lighter and older version of Derrick Henry. Like he just he keeps going out there and getting it done. I mean, he's all day AP, right? Like that's the reason why they call him that. <laughs> um, all right. So, final score prediction for Sunday. Two. I would say twenty thirteen Texans. Twenty thirteen. Okay, so Sly mixing, misses an extra point, or he, yeah, they or two touchdowns and two touchdowns two. and two three point. Okay, all right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go twenty one seventeen Texans. <clears throat> I think. I think Justin Reed comes up big, on a play later in the game. That's gonna be my little. My uh, my little prop thing. I think Justin mm-hmm. Reed comes up clutch. Do you think Trevor Lawrence turns the ball over next game? Yeah, I think they get to him. I think they get to him, and they, I think he, they, somebody, um, I'm a, I'm a roll with Chuck. I'm a roll with, with Charles Amenihu. I'm gonna say Charles gets a strip sack, um, and then I'm gonna say Justin Reed gets the interception late in the game to seal it. <clears throat> and. Quick question. It's kind of like off topic, but how do you feel about the O-line heading into this game? I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous about Cannon. Mm -hmm. Cully didn't even sound too confident in Cannon's ability this week, right? Like that he's still still kind of getting his conditioning back and his legs back. And we've heard of COVID legs before with a couple of these guys that have had it in the past. Um, A guy that missed all of last season because he opted out. Um so it's that has me nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not worried about the left side. Um, I'm honestly the only spot I'm worried about is is the right tackle position. I'm confident in Max. I'm confident in Britt. I'm confident in Titus, and I'm com- absolutely confident in Laramie. Marcus Cannon scares me. Yeah, <clears throat> I hope he proves me wrong, but Marcus Cannon scares me. And I think there's ways to go like to game plan against that. Obviously, Tyrod can you know. Pass the ball, you know, quicker so like the mm-hmm. the, the pass rushes can come to him, or we can use Farrell Brown, or you know, as a blocker to compliment Marcus Cannon, you know, help him with some pass pro, or some running bl- run blocks, or we could probably uh, we can elevate players from the practice squad twice before we sign them, so we could bring up some of the O line. So we ha- we have I have the list right here. We have uh two rookies, um Green McCollum. Mm-hmm. If if we if we need them, and we also have that 
uh, Patriots guard. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Furhold? I don't know. And also, um, we got Lane Taylor, but I don't think he's ready for this week. So no, he would have already been activated yeah. if he was. And if um, we want to get the, the run game going, we also got the fullback, Questenberry. So if we really want to, you know, insi- insist on running the ball. So for sure. I yeah. think they, I think we'll see a lot of two tight end sets. Um, I think, um, and shout out to Farrell Brown. Farrell Brown is starting, like coming in as a, a street free agent last year, getting signed to an extension and now becoming the starting tight end for this team. That's, that's really cool and really good. Shout out to him for that. Um, and so I think we'll see some of him on that right side to kind of help out. Um, even if it's a chip, you know, he just goes out there and chips the guy, chip uh, whoever's on that side, whoever mm-hmm. they line up over there. And then, uh, and you know, maybe he goes out for a little short pass or something like that. Um, and quick question. Do you, he, do you think we're going to have any, any receivers go for over 100 yards? And who do you think scores? I think Cooks gets close but doesn't break it. I don't mm-hmm. think he breaks 100. Um, and then who scores? I'm gonna ride with Nico. Okay. I'm a, I'm a, Nico's gonna get a, a touchdown tomorrow. I think Nico Collins scores the first touchdown of the season for the Texans. Wow. All right. <laughs> um, and then I think we'll go with Pharaoh. I think Pharaoh catches one too. Yeah. And then they rush one. I don't know who other running backs. Maybe Philip Lindsay. Man, I was gonna, I was gonna, um, hope I was gonna bring that up because hopefully he looks a lot better. I mean, obviously it was a preseason, but hopefully he looks a lot better than what he looked than what than what he looked in the last few games. Because I mean, I don't know. I mean, you 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 would think that we got a steal on him, but he's looked very. He hasn't looked comfortable running the ball. Maybe really rusty, time. right? Yeah, looked really rusty. I get it. I mean, I have a like. I really um, was excited about that. I had. I really liked Aunt, uh, Philip Lindsay when he was in Denver, um, and was excited about the potential of him coming here. And then watching him on on the, the preseason, I was kind of worried. Um, <clears throat> you know, and and maybe it's just one of those things where he's just he's trying to get his legs back under him in, for the season. Um, he's not trying to hit the holes hard. He's not trying to go out there and get hurt kind of making a little business decision on it. And then the regular season comes, he kind of turns it on. Mm-hmm. So who knows? We'll see. Yeah. But there's pretty much, a, I think this is a pretty much a winnable game because I'm pretty high on our special teams. So we, we already won that area of the, of the game. We just got to worry on, on winning the turnover battle. And I think, like I said, I don't think Tyra's going to turn the ball over too much. So I think we'll, uh, this is probably one of the few games this season where we have a legit chance of winning. So we got to take advantage of it because I feel like wins are going to be pretty rare this year. Yeah. So speaking of that, all right, so hold on real quick. I want to I do this. Quarantine Carpenter Bills asked, do the Texans keep Tyrod if he finishes with 4,300 yards, 30 touchdowns, 65% completion, and 99 QBR? No. No. You think they let him walk for a comp pick? <laughs> I mean, it kind of be like Fitz Magic. I mean, okay. 
if he puts up those type of seasons, you know, they're, maybe they're somewhat possible, but they're not going to be consistent from a year-to-year basis. Like, even, even in his best years in Buffalo, he was barely topping 3,000 yards. Yeah. So I don't see him playing his best football with the Texans, especially with this roster. Because back then, he was with Buffalo. Go ahead. Yeah, he had he had better weapons, right? Yeah. Mm. No, because that was well. No, because Diggs got there with Allen. Who were his wide receivers in Buffalo, though? Robert Woods was one of them, and okay. Sammy Watkins, and Charles okay. Clay, and and Lashawn McCoy. So yeah, he had some talent. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, wasn't their offensive line like always like a weak point too? They were pretty much average. I just yeah. wish they let Tyrod run the football. I feel if they let him run the football, that would really open up the offense a little bit more. Okay. But he's he's always like if if I'm not mistaken, he's always been really good at just not turning the football over, right? Like he doesn't yeah. throw interceptions. Um he doesn't I don't know about his fumbles, right? Like I know Deshaun had three lost fumbles or something like that last year. I think he had eight total, three lost. Um, that's what happens when you run the ball carrying it like a loaf of bread. Um, so I don't know. I, I just, he could control the ball and keep it, keep possession and manage the game. I think the Texans can pull out the win for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Season prediction. Win-loss total. Let me pull up the, the schedule real quick so we can like look, look down the list. Okay. I have them at four and 13. Four and 13. I have them beating Deep. the Jags. Beating the Colts once. Beating. No, I just lost my. I had it earlier too. I have the schedule right here. If you want to go over it real quick, I'm pulling it up right now. Cool. All right. So we win week one. We're going to lose week two against the Browns. Losing week three against the Panthers. Losing week four against Buffalo. I think they can beat the Patriots in week five. It's at home. Rookie quarterback. I know it's Bill Belichick. Um, I just I had this weird feeling. So that's two wins. Call me crazy. No, that's not it. That wasn't the win. I think they beat the Jets. And then the 49ers, for whatever reason, I still have like almost no confidence in them. Like I know that defense is like super talented, right? Like that defensive line is insane. But unless Trey Lance comes out and just starts lighting the world on fire, it's still Jimmy Garoppolo over there. And it's like, I, I just don't, I don't trust it. I think those are the four wins. Jags, okay. Patriots, 49ers, Jets. So I got us winning both games against the Jaguars. So that's two wins. We're playing the, the Panthers at home. So I think that's a winnable game. That's three. 
Okay. Patriots, I think we have a fair shot. We're playing it at home also. So that's four. Man, I see us having a good chance against the Jets too, but that's five wins. And I don't see us, I don't know. Because I, I could talk myself into us winning like five games, six games, but for I would say five and 12. Because I feel like this, this team's going to be competitive enough to not get blown out. And it sometimes, you know, home field can dictate the momentum of the, of the game and all that sure. type of stuff. So in most of those games that I – besides the Jaguars game, the, the the away game, those four games are at home. And I feel if we have a chance of winning, we'll probably be in your home turf. Okay. So you got them at 5-12. and 12, I got them at 4 and – Four and thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember what did I have him? I think I had him at last year after week one. I said they would be lucky to finish above five hundred, and I was dead serious. And I got a lot of heat for that. People were like, "Oh, it's only week one. It's the Chiefs." Ah, ah, ah. Um, so I'm fairly confident in my my thing. So. But I feel it was so tough last year. I mean, obviously, every team was facing COVID. But if you look back on it, all the quarterbacks we played against. Yeah. They had a tough schedule. Uh, Absolutely. 100%. I'll give them that. Um, Fired the head coach after week four. Should have fired him after week three when they had him in the office. And they sat him down. And they said, we're going to fire you. And then he was like, no, I'm going to take play calling back. Give me one more chance. And then he just went out there and shit the bed again. Yeah. should have fired him after the Chiefs game in the playoffs, but you know they should have fired him after the Colts game a couple of years ago. True. <laughs> so many times they should have fired this guy, and they just never did. Um. So, well, cool. All right, man. Uh, I know you're not feeling well. Um, I've got a injured kid. I got to go tend to for a little bit uh, before he goes to bed. My computer's about to die. It's at seven percent. Um. Any more quick thoughts before we hop off? No, nah, man, I think we covered everything. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we win. Like I said, like, I'm going to really enjoy every win this season because you never know when it's going to be the last one for this team. But I'm not trying to dampen the mood, but it is what it is. Nah, I know, but I think the biggest thing for me this season is just to enjoy football. Mm-hmm. Okay, Just to enjoy football being back, fans in the stands, the atmosphere, the excitement, that. Right. Like I said a few several months ago when I when I stepped away from everything that I was just becoming a fan of the game again. Um, and I think that was the most important thing for me was just becoming a fan of football again, being able to sit down and watch a game and enjoy it and and watch the the sport. Um, you know, just like I do, like I can sit down and watch a baseball game regardless of who's playing. It could be the freaking Orioles and the Diamondbacks, the two worst teams in the league. And I just like, I enjoy watching this, the sport. Um, same thing that comes with, with soccer and basketball. Not so much. I'm a very casual, casual fan when it comes to basketball football. I just became so enamored that the Texans had to win everything. They had to be perfect at everything. Um, and it literally almost drove me freaking insane. Um, 
And so I just, I want to love football again. I want to love the sport that, you know, I fell in love with so many years ago. Um, very first game I ever sat down and watched was uh, Super Bowl. Oh, I can't remember, but it was when Elway, it was the Broncos' second Super Bowl in recent years. Um, when L.A. hit, I'm going to say his name wrong, Rob Woodson or something like that, for a long pass, like that just like sealed it for me was that. So that's what I want to get back to is just watching football and enjoying it and having fun. And I think that's that's what this fan base needs, man. I think the fan base needs to just love football, right? Yeah, just have fun. Just have fun with it, you know, because if you're not having yeah. fun, then what are you doing? Yeah, don't put too much into it, right? Yeah. What is there? Hold on. I'm going to go back to the website, and people are going to hate me. I know, and Brian T. Smith is so annoying with this on his Twitter, and, and Rivers is kind of bugging me too. But they keep taking this saying that the Texans have for the season, and it's that football feeling, and they keep <laughs> trying to like make fun of it. And it's like there is nothing like being at a freaking football game and just having fun. I went to the Tech U of H game on mm-hmm. Saturday, and man, like college football is like a whole nother level, right? Like it's just insane. That like just the feeling of being there and watching the teams and like you know, U of H comes out and they're, they're hammering away at tech and then tech just climbs back and they just start like just marching down the field and they start scoring. And I was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like this, that's football. And I was excited and I loved it. That's what I want again, man. Yeah. That's what I want again. I've never so. been to a Texans game, but hopefully this year. No, no, I've never been. Oh, you got, all right. We'll talk to James. James has got season tickets. He's giving away this weekend. I guarantee he's probably going to give away a few more weekends. We're giving you some. We're getting you tickets. You're going to a game this season. That'd be cool. <laughs> so, James, if you're watching, you're sending you're sending Jair to a game, um, like for sure. So, um, let's see here. I was too. My sister in law is a freshman at Tech. Um, I've supported U of H for all these years, but now that she's going to Tech, I had to support Tech. So, Tux, I was I was going for for Tech also. So it was pretty cool. Well, cool. All right. Uh, you guys go enjoy your Friday nights. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we've been hovering around like 50, 55 people the entire stream. Um, I know you guys have better things to do than be sitting here talking to us. Um, give the video a, th- a thumbs up. Subscribe to us on, you know, on Facebook or follow the page on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Give the, the Facebook page a, or the Twitter page a follow um, at Houston FB Pod. Go follow Jair. J-R-L-T-U. Um, excellent like information all the time coming out of Jair, whether it be um, where players have played before and who they've played with, coaching and other players and stuff like that. Um, just all around great content always coming out of Jair and always really good conversation with them too. Um, go follow James um, I or uh, Young Ari Gold or I am Young Ari Gold. Um, John is John A. Wade 3. I'm always really bad at this part. John Wade, where is he? I wish we could add like graphics to this so we can make it easier for all of us. We need it. So we need to get John or John A Wade three at John A Wade three. John is really good follow. Also, yeah. Um, Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts. I know you guys all know him. Y'all are already all following Jordan. 
Um, I think he's about to pass like 7,000 followers now and his YouTube is just blowing up. He's working for SI now. Like Jordan is Hollywood, man. Like he's a beast, man. He's a beast. He is. He's grinding. Um, Mine is at Patrick Storm to you. I'm going to start. I know Jair's probably going to start rattling off some written content too for the website. I'm going to be doing it as well. Um, But also um, if you didn't see the tweet the other day, I am going to start writing again for Toro times. So there will be content there and on our website for myself. Um, so I appreciate any feedback, stuff like that, that you guys, uh, you know, you guys have. Um, and, but once again, guys, thank you so much for all the support. Week one is here. Football is back. We got 18 weeks ahead of us of really good uh, uh, football and topics to discuss because now we actually have something to watch. So uh, go enjoy your Friday nights. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you all next week. See ya.